You're listening to the B-Fox and B-Frank show. A very interesting week, roller coaster week for a lot of teams. Highs and lows for both of our programs, but we have to start this show with new number one, first time in the history of the Auburn basketball program, which has spanned 116 years. They are the deserving number one team in the country. Showed that on Saturday, went over Kentucky, and not only the quality on the court, it's kind of incredible what Bruce Pearl has done with this program um, in terms of fan support. You had students camping outside, uh, you know, days in advance, the, the type of thing you would typically only see at a, a place like Duke, but Auburn's a basketball school. Bo Nix is gone. There's no uh, draw from the football program as much anymore. They're all in on basketball. And, and right now they're, you know, like I said, very deserving of the number one ranking. Yeah, there, there was a concerted effort by basically the SEC leadership telling all of these schools, you know, 10, 15 years ago, like, hey, you should you should be putting money into basketball because believe it or not, if you do that, it's going to pay off well for all of us. Besides, you know, the win shares and the revenue share and all that that comes with success in the NCAA tournament. When your program is good, it, it helps. Um, and, and we obviously see that here with Auburn because what Bruce Pearl has done down there is is nothing short of remarkable and you know, there's a reason that every Maryland fan is is salivating at the thought that they could potentially get Bruce Pearl to, to come up to College Park and coach the Terps. But really, really crazy atmosphere. Awesome game. Really fun to watch against Kentucky. Very high level for both teams. And, and Ty Ty Washington went down early with the injury and Auburn was able to win it. But Kentucky was in the entire game. Honestly, there were probably a few bad possessions in that weird stretch um, with about eight minutes left in the second half where it seemed like no one could score the ball. And then uh, Jabari Smith and Wendell Young. I can't remember his last name. Green. Green. Wendell Green decided just to take over the ball game. Yeah. And it, it is worth mentioning. Ty Ty Washington went down. Sabir Wheeler also went down because Kentucky. Yeah. It's a recurring theme. Just refuses to call out screens and just yes. loves watching their guards get absolutely smoked by much, much larger humans. But yeah, Wendell Green has been a, a high impact transfer uh, from the start. You've got the elite duo inside of Kessler and Smith combined for 33 and 14 in this game. And they've been doing that um, each and every game. Very different skill sets. Jabari Smith angling for a potential number one overall pick in the NBA draft. He is a much more diverse game. Kessler, more a traditional big man, but they work very well together and they're able to play together um, at the same time, which is not something you can say for a lot of schools with two quality bigs. So Auburn looks tough. The SEC, as you said, definitely angling to become more of a basketball conference. Um, I think at worst, you could say they're the third best conference. Um, in the country this year, Big 12, clear number one, Big 10, SEC, you can make an argument for either. But yeah, a lot of these non-traditional powers rising up and challenging and beating a school like Kentucky was unheard of, um, you know, just a decade ago. Yeah, grow the game. I mean, it, it feels like uh, like those campaigns for whether it be hockey or soccer in America, like grow the game. That's that's what they're trying to do now in, in the SEC. 
and it's it's wild we're having that conversation because again it's not like this is a niche sport like this yeah. is, cons- this is yeah. one of two consistent revenue sports um so yeah this would uh this would make sense to invest in but yeah finally finally they're they're figuring it out a little bit um a, a more traditional power who has had an exceptional week, Kansas. The Jayhawks, you know, overlooked a little bit at times um, this year, but in a very good week. Came back from 16 down to beat Kansas State. Had a double overtime thriller on Monday night in a win over a very good Texas Tech team. And the, the big story for me, Otrai Baji. National Player of the Year candidacy really heating up. 29 against Kansas State, 37 and some key buckets against Texas Tech. Playing exceptional basketball. Every time it looked like the Jayhawks were dead on Monday night, Abaji hits a monster shot. Whether he's double teamed, he's got a 6'10 freshman guarding him, whoever it may be, he seemed to consistently find a way to make big plays and big buckets. Only gripe I can have is his free throw shooting. He was four of eight in the game on Monday. Um, Really could have put that game away earlier had his free throw shooting been better. But honestly, when you, when you get to that level, when a guy's scoring 30 plus points and you're calling out his free throw shooting, you clearly don't have much negative to say about him. Uh, Unbelievable offensive and defensive presence, really a steadying hand for Kansas. They, for for I guess for people who don't watch them often, they love to weave, they love to drive and attack the rim. They don't, and this may seem weird, they don't really shoot the ball that well, uh, especially from the perimeter. Braun, uh, Brown is an okay shooter. Um, I mean, Remy Martin really hasn't done anything all year. Agbaji can shoot, and then obviously Coleman Lands comes in from time to time to to hit the you know stretch the floor and, and shoot the ball. But outside of that. You know, maybe, maybe Harris can hit a couple jump shots, but really no one else is a shooter. So when you look at that and you see how compact teams can play them, like, yes, they are aggressive still. They attack the rim and that's been a, a huge plus for them. But it it shows a lot of what Agbaji does and how much he means for this team because he is really in that starting five, the biggest three point threat. Absolutely. And Texas Tech has been phenomenal defensively all year. Texas Tech had a great week as well, you know, going to double overtime um, at Allen Fieldhouse, no small feat. But, yeah, you know, this is a defense that has not given up 70 points since December 1st. We've only done it three times all season. Kansas, you know, obviously double overtime inflated the numbers, but at the end of regulation, Kansas still had 75 points. Um, so, Strong game uh, for the Jayhawks. Questions can be asked about, you know, interior presences or lack thereof. McCormick and Lightfoot have largely plateaued over their careers. But when you have the one-two punch uh, of Igbaji and Christian Brown and whatever Remy Martin, and you hope he gets fully healthy, whatever Remy Martin can give you um, is, is going to be too much for a lot of teams to deal with. Uh, the, the Big 12 race is, is getting really interesting. Texas Tech, you know, some people had them as a sleeper in the preseason, but I think even the most optimistic expectations would not have seen them as being this successful um, in 
what's been again the the toughest conference in America, but a lot of uh, high impact transfers immediately. Uh, Bryson Williams, Kevin O'Banner, Adonis Arms in a bigger role um, than he was getting at a, a mid major level, but they they've come to play against everyone, and, and Kansas took a lot of punches to the face on Monday night and was still able to come out on top. Yeah, no doubt about it. And this honestly feels like the hype that all the um, all, all the uh, Chris Beard teams got finally living up to it for Texas Tech. You know, like obviously they had the national championship runner up run that they had against uh, Virginia. But this kind of feels like they're finally putting it together. And that's a huge credit to Mark Adams. Might be a, a Chris Beard hype thing if we're keeping it 100, as the kids say. Uh, yeah. So I have thoughts on Texas later. But that's – uh, yeah, I, I mean, Mark Adams always the the defensive architect of those great Chris Beard teams getting this chance to, to shine. First head coaching opportunity in his 60s, which is pretty rare. But, you know, he's a Texas Tech guy. Awesome to see yeah. him taking advantage. No doubt. Hit me with another winner. I'm going to go Florida State. The Knolls have come alive. They put a beat down on Miami in a in a big game in a bad conference. I think is the best way to put it. Um, they got they, they just have been winning games that they need to. I'm sorry, they didn't put a beat down. They were up big and then ended up winning by one. Regardless, they beat Miami, who's the hottest team in the ACC, not named Duke, which is not that big a feat. But Florida State quietly back to 13 and five. They're top of the ACC. They've won six straight, including a win over Duke. So the Knolls are making some noise. They've got uh, really a, a fairly good run. They do have a tough February with at North Carolina, at Duke, depending on how you feel about Virginia, at Virginia. Um, but I don't care for them. <laughs> History shows us. This is not news. Um, but yeah, Florida State, I think uh, I'm hoping Coach Hamilton has turned it around for my preseason ACC pick. They are, uh, they're certainly keeping drama at high levels. They have two one point wins over Miami, had the overtime one point win over Duke as Coach Ham just stays untouchable in overtime games. Uh, once you get to that extra period, Florida State almost impossible to beat. Um, so, you know, they're, they're just getting by, by the skin of their teeth right now. Um, but they're right there at the top of the ACC now. Um, mm -hmm. Tied with Miami, and as mentioned, 2-0 against the Canes, so they'll get that tiebreaker. But they have, uh, after a very slow start to the season, they have played their way back into consideration for the NCAA tournament. And again, the best way to help yourself – um, really the only way you can help yourself in the ACC so far this year seems to be beating Duke. Um, so Florida State doing that at home um, doesn't matter by what margin. Um, taking care of that, that is a big win to put on your resume. And now, you know, eight games in, starting to see some separation in the standings. You know, they're, they're a half game up um, as Duke's playing right now on Duke, on Notre Dame have the advantage over Miami. It's it's time to to really start taking Florida State 
seriously as an ACC title contender. It's a conversation many were having in the preseason, but definitely fell off the radar and now kind of snuck right back up into that conversation. Absolutely. And, you know, they're, they're doing it the same way they always do defense and depth. And that, and that's what we've seen so far this season. It may have taken a little while longer to get it going, but they've still got a chance. And, and like you said, I was just looking, there are only three teams in the top 50 in terms of net from the ACC, North Carolina, Wake Forest, and Duke. Uh, only one of those games at home would be considered a quad one win. So you're going to have to go on the road and you're going to have to win and you're going to have to win with style. You're going to have to put up some points and, and really put the pedal to the metal in order to move up because the Knowles metrically don't look great. I, if I use the dreaded eye test that, that really should not be a thing, but is, uh, they are clearly a team that is good enough to be in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, and I mean, they start playing to their talent level that we really saw in the preseason, then that should be a reality. But again, it's right. It's going to be a lot of just taking care of business, winning games you're supposed to win, uh, mm-hmm. which in the ACC will be the vast majority of them. Right. Uh, I've got Michigan State as a big winner as well. Uh, big win on Friday at Wisconsin, snapped Wisconsin's Seven-game winning streak, um, pretty comfortable fashion. The The most telling stat for me was just nearly doubling up Wisconsin on the boards, 39-20. Very balanced scoring attack. Um, you know, six players between nine and 14 points for the Spartans, so hard to really pick your poison there. Um, and, you know, Marcus Bingham still kind of working back to 100% after uh, – missing some time due to COVID. Um, so still not at his full allocation of minutes. Lots of guys picking up the slack. And now Michigan State, look up. They're in first place in the Big Ten. Yeah, they they played very well in this game. I mean, they really came out and punched Wisconsin in the mouth early. Um, Johnny Davis really couldn't get it going until the second half. Brad Davison had a great game, but really no one else played well for Wisconsin, if you look at it. Tyler Wall being out was a huge miss. That, that certainly hurt, but I don't know that if he's in this game that Wisconsin really comes back. I think a lot of this, – this score looks a lot closer than this game really was. It was over for quite a while in that second half, and it was an incredibly balanced attack from Michigan State. Five guys in double figures. Um, Hauser nearly had a double-double. Bingham had nine and five. Like they, they got production from just about everybody who saw the floor. Yeah, and that's – a recipe for success for Tom Izzo as he closes in on the all-time record of uh, Big Ten wins. He would tie Bob Knight with a win over Illinois tonight. And not to jinx it, but I would say that looks likely as the Illini are without both Kofi Coburn and Andre Curbelo. But stranger things have happened before, certainly. Mm-hmm. Uh, in your neck of the woods, I feel like we are obligated to mention Marquette. We are. We are. Six wins in a row. Uh, three straight over ranked teams at the time, including Villanova and Xavier most recently. You kind of said this in the, in the offseason as we were looking at you know some coaching changes, but this has gone true to form, true to projection. Like Shaka just seems 
so much more comfortable at a uh, you know smaller private school versus potentially the the pressure and, and all the noise going on at a, a place like Texas. Yeah, one hundred percent. I don't know if it's expectations or what, but obviously coming to Marquette following Wojo, expectations are bare minimum. Like yeah. you, you don't have them. It's not a high uh, hurdle to get over, but. There, there's talent here. He's obviously he obviously did a great job in the offseason massaging the roster and getting it to work out how he wanted to. But I think the most important thing is just the production and development of Justin Lewis. He has been phenomenal. He looks like an NBA player, um, really can do it from all three levels. And he was highly touted coming out of high school. We are seeing that full force right now he is an absolute beast and in my opinion he is if not the top choice he is in the top three right now for biggie's player of the year and daryl marcel as well coming over yeah. from maryland he's having his best season of his college career and he's had a great one already it was the big 10 defensive player of the year last year um mm -hmm. but yeah credit to shaka for kind of piecing together this roster and you know Slow start to the season. We saw some flashes, had the big win over Illinois early, uh, but now seemed to really be clicking in January as we uh, as we head into the thick of Big East play. And yeah, it's uh, it, it's better, I think, for Shaka to try to get, you know, there's some star power on this team, certainly, but I think it's easier to get a roster like this to play the way he wants um, than trying to, get a group of five stars at Texas um, to kind of play havoc or havoc adjacent basketball just right. doesn't really work the same way. Yeah, absolutely. And the guys are buying in, I think basically the point you're trying to make there. Um, and it works. It just fits like the Marquette that we have known when they were successful, obviously it, it feels normal. Yeah, Wojo is a blip. Now we're kind of getting back to the winning ways he saw under CTC and, and Buzz yeah, Williams. Exactly. What other winners do you have for me? I'm going to go with Missouri State. This is okay. going to be an interesting one. Really, Isaiah Mosley. Yeah. He has been an absolute stud. Uh, his last five games, 40 points over Loyola in the win, 24 against Illinois State, 32 against Valpo, 33 against Southern Illinois, 43 against Northern Iowa. He has been unbelievable. His away split this year is very good, 20.3 points a game, 50% from the field, 45% from three, five rebounds, and a steal a game. Like, kid is a star could and should be on the All-American list to watch out for. Uh, really has developed nicely at Missouri State. He's been there three years now and, and should be reaping the benefits of that. I don't know if he's going to... Who, who knows where he'll be at the end of the year next season, but really good for him, really good for the mid-majors out there. Yeah, I think the, the game against Loyola certainly, the fact that it was on the road as well, turned a lot of people's heads, but you're right. He's been doing it all year and getting some shine on a program that typically does not get much, if any. Um, so it's it's a little bit more interesting in the Valley than it was the start of the year. We've had some uh, realignment news, certainly UIC slated to join the conference as Loyola departs. So mm -hmm. keeping that uh, stronghold in the Chicago market, but and Missouri State 
right up there with the Ramblers. This is not a uh, a sure thing for uh, Coach Valentine and the Ramblers in conference, but yeah, that's it. It hasn't really been Johnny Davis esque either. Um, they're still getting multiple other double digit scores against Loyola, um, somewhat unexpected from you know forty plus point performance, but. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's been impossible to stop for anybody in the valley so far. Yeah, it's uh, it's been fun to watch. And the last team I have is TCU, who's quietly put together a very nice season. Um, it, it was kind of a do or die year, it felt like for Jamie Dixon, and they are certainly doing it right now. Um, win over or win at Iowa State, holding the Cyclones to forty four points on Saturday. Uh, really have been locked in defensively. They're a top 20 Ken Palm defensive team. And they've got some interesting pieces. Like, I I am very intrigued. I didn't even realize that Ch- Chuck O'Bannon was still in college. I thought he was long gone after the UNLV days. Still alive. Uh, I mean, yeah, like, excluding Oklahoma State, obviously, but the nine postseason eligible teams in the Big 12 – all are still alive for the NCAA tournament. Uh, yeah. TCU has some good wins now. Kansas State has picked up some quality wins as they've gotten 100% healthy. Um, but yeah, there's there are no easy games in the league. Uh, it's it's really hard at this point. I think it was easier early in the season to kind of point to you know Kansas State, TCU don't really have any good wins. They're what we can consider the bottom. Not saying they're bad teams. Now it's completely open for interpretation. Um, I've got a significant loser later, but it's any, any game you, you play in this conference is uh, going to be a tough test. Yeah, no doubt about it. It's uh, and it's just fun to watch. Like even the defensive battles are not like Virginia grind them out games for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. There, <laughs> there's certainly not, there aren't any uh, like pace related, um, very, Low scoring games, there's right. just very good defense and sometimes unwatchable offense. But yes, point <laughs> yes. taken. Um, I've got, I've got two and a half more. I'll, I'll okay. run through the, the first couple quickly. Uh, Davidson, yep. fifteen wins in a row uh, for Bob McKillop's squad. Foster Lawyer continues to be one of the best uh, transfer down stories um, in the country, and you know that. Quality loss for Alabama just just keeps looking better and better, but they are in the top twenty-five. That's now. not checkers. <laughs> uh, Tennessee finally got a signature win in SEC play. That's um, kind of eluded them the first few weeks of that season. Sixty-four uh, fifty win over LSU. LSU struggling on offense once again, but the Volunteers have proven they're a top five. Defense nationally all year showed out again, holding the Tigers to 38% shooting, 21% from distance. I need to talk about the Hoosiers for a little bit. Um, I, In a perfect world, there would not have been a game in between the Purdue game and uh, the polls coming out, but the Michigan game was was a guaranteed I you were loss. Say the where, end of the season. <laughs> uh, well, not, I mean, oh, Indiana Purdue national championship game would be fun. But there you go. We need to walk before we can run. Um, <laughs> I have no hate in my heart for Purdue. I I only have hate in my heart for Kentucky. Um, 
Purdue. It is nice to beat them, uh, but that's that's not the the main theme of the story here. Although uh, Indiana did beat Purdue, if you hadn't heard, uh, it happened on Thursday. It was uh, it's a wonderful night. Um, spent it in a Purdue bar for some reason, but it was vindicated at the end. Um, but I think the the bigger story out of this is just kind of the the career arc for Rob Finnessy and putting forth a performance like he did. Um, kid from Lafayette, right in Purdue's backyard. Uh, just no growth over his college career. Had some great flashes as a freshman, hit a half-quarter game winner against Butler. Um, got a concussion, never really was the same after that. And just he's kind of the shining example of, or the personification of the Archie Miller era in Bloomington, um, just completely beaten down, really the only guy still left that had to endure the the full brunt of that regime, always a scapegoat. Um, so, you know, now senior year relegated to a bench role in a log jam of backcourts, only averaging four points a game, comes in off the bench. Um, well, actually unprompted a couple days before this is really telling in, uh, the press conference, Mike Woodson talking about how he had, you know, pulled fantasy aside day before and just simple conversation, trying to get the kids confidence up, you know, forget about the past paraphrasing here, forget about the past You're with coach Woodson now who loves you. Um, which I love that he always speaks in third person too. <laughs> uh, but that, then Rob comes out 17 points in the first half game winning three, um, and just the confidence that Woodson had in him inspiring the confidence in himself um, drew up not one, but two game winning opportunities for fantasy delivers on the second one, get the victory over Purdue. Um, and then obviously the emotional letdown against Michigan, we don't have to talk about, but Indiana's backcourt has kind of been the Achilles heel all season. The front court gave them almost nothing against Zach Eady and Trevion Williams. Um, but being able to play Jaden Ivey to a draw was not something I expected at all. But between Rob and X, um, being able to do that was just gravy. And that's that's kind of the peak of what this team can be. And then you see, again, the other end of the spectrum. But Scoring and only two turnovers as a team against Purdue. It's like two things we haven't really seen all season. So it's it's nice to see something come together, if only for one night. But that win helps a lot in trying to get Indiana back to the tournament since the fir- or uh, for the first time since CTC was in town. Yeah, it was a hell of a win. I was <laughs> sending you some messages throughout, trying trying not to get too high or low with the game um but yeah that that shot the vindication the story behind it is all really important and i think what makes college basketball so great because you know in the nba rob finnessy's not well assuming we're talking about nba teams and rob finnessy is on an nba team this is not like this does not happen so um this is this is part of the joy and and why we are college basketball fans, but also it's just a damn good win in a, like a tough rivalry game uh, against a team that has uh, really looked good throughout basically the entire year. 
Uh, and then thank you for the Michigan game because Seton Hall needed that. Happy to help. But what I was saying about uh, Kessler and Smith, like Purdue is what I had in mind. Like they cannot play Zach Eady and Trayvon yep. Williams at the same time. And it kills them because yeah. that's, that's two of their uh, three best players at worst. Like Edie is so dominant. Uh, Michael Durr gave some great minutes just guarding him because um you know, that's that's why you go out and get a seven-footer from South Florida, somebody that the size of a player they haven't had in a while, but did a good job in the second half bodying him up. But when you have Travion Williams off the floor uh, for Purdue, like that's your best passer. It's a lot harder to to run the offense. Like it helps that Jaden Ivey is just a spectacular player and can seemingly get to the goal at will, but yeah, you can't just have him go one-on-one every single possession. Um, so just kind of the inability of Purdue and Edie to, to work together simultaneously a la Kessler and Smith is just a big part of why Auburn's number one and Purdue is not. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right. So that's all the winners. That was, uh, was enough positivity for probably the next two shows. So I'll try to, try to remember that for next time. Um, but who's your big loser of the week? Me Hardaway. My biggest loser. Um, look, it's coaching is not his thing, and I think we all knew that coming in. Uh, it's an experiment, and it's interesting. It's basically the AAU Memphis Tigers that are out there playing basketball, and some days the talent, excuse me, the talent shows through, and they look like a great team or a team that's capable of playing with just about anyone. And other days, most days, they look like a completely disorganized group of players that hate each other and don't want to be on the same floor and just want this season to end. It's you take that and then you compound it with his statements post game after I think it was the SMU loss. But every team in the country deals with injuries. Teams are dealing with COVID issues right now. No one really has their full team to play with. You can't use that excuse and like cuss out a reporter for trying to do their job this is part of sports this is part of college basketball this is part of college basketball the last two years grow up sack up figure it out it's your job you are paid a lot of money presumably to do this job and get wins if you don't like it leave like it's that simple yeah i mean he in a normal year i wouldn't love the response um but it would carry a little more weight of not having your whole roster. Like you said, like really everyone has dealt with that in some capacity um, this year. You know, the, the amounts of time, number of players missing potentially mattered. Look at Texas tech missing their two best players. They go out and beat Baylor and Kansas back to back. So definitely miss me with that. But I think there's a stat that UConn has played two, two games this season with their full roster. I'm Seton hall is somewhere around the same. I imagine you can go down the list like Illinois. You can go down the list of all these teams that have played without some of their key or best players. Yeah. UConn's a team um, I'd be very scared of, uh, especially with Sonogo back, just remembering yep. how, how great they looked in Atlantis early in the season. Um, but yeah, like we make cracks about coaches. Sometimes um, coach Cal comes to mind about, you know, let's get a bunch of five stars and roll the ball out, let them play. Um, yep. That seems to be what's actually happening to Memphis. Like yeah. the we brought on Penny Hardaway, whose whose main credentials were was a very good basketball player in his day, 
and will get you James Wiseman to your school, um, right. which that worked out spectacularly. Um, led Memphis on a long tournament run, but there is no shortage of talent on this roster. And this is a very bad American uh, mm-hmm. this year. Like he's very lucky to, to sweep Tulsa this year and not lose both games should be on a four game losing streak right now um, to not good basketball teams. Like we're, we're talking about East Carolina. SMU is having a fine season. Um, UCF has a couple of good wins, but, these aren't at large teams and Tulsa's 0 and 6 in conference. You beat them twice by a combined four points. Uh, yeah. Like really this is hurting Houston it is all mm-hmm. of, all of Houston's wins. Like any dominance in the American is just being devalued by the fact that like there's probably not an at large team here and Memphis should be that team. Uh, but they're, they're just, they're not pulling their weight at all. Like with the talent on this roster, there is no way they should be mired in the middle of the pack of this league, which I mean, I don't even know if it's it's the seventh best in America. I would I would hazard that the Mountain West and West Coast are, are probably oh, yeah. having better seasons. But yeah, it's uh I think Penny's tenure is on its last legs, I would say, but he is uh certainly not making things easier for himself either. Yeah. And I just looking at the state of the American, like temple is fourth. That should tell you everything. <laughs> yeah. Is, yeah, temple, no matter how much Rothstein wants them to be good, they are not good. These, these and, are not John Chaney's owls. No. Yeah. And it, it, it feels like the, you know, sec fans excusing their teams losing in bowl games to, you know, group of five teams because, all their players are sitting out. It's like, okay, fine. You're missing players. You're going to five-star backups regardless, four-star backups. These are high-quality players no matter who is on the floor for you. It's not like, you know, Missouri State losing Isaiah Mosley and all of a sudden you're going from a-star top player in your league to someone coming off the bench. Yeah, let's let's have some pride. And the last thing I'll say, Tulane has a losing record on the season and they're ahead of Memphis in the American standings. Yes, so they are. Things are not looking. Shout out, shout out Ron Hunter Sr. Yeah. Um, by that same token, Louisville. Yep. Chris Mack uh, reportedly is finalizing a, a separation agreement with the school. Um, his team decided to separate from him a while ago. Um, they have lost five of six. Could not look more listless. It's just the most blatant case of a team quitting on their coach um, and kind of incredible when you look at where they were just two seasons ago, 2019, 2020, number one team in the country for a stretch, cooled off a little bit. But if there was a tournament um, in 2020, Louisville probably would have done serious damage. Um, this was the same off season as the Archie Miller hire. And if you would have told me that both guys would have flamed out spectacularly, I would have been, uh, skeptical at best, but mm-hmm. that's not where we find ourselves. No, and it it is astounding to see this. I mean, by all accounts, you can have, talk around the country, and I'm sure like this happens for most coaches. But Chris Mack was a home run for Louisville. He it made sense. He's literally moving across the river down into Kentucky from Xavier and Cincinnati, like. He knows the area. He's recruited it extremely well. He's had huge success coaching teams there in this region. And 
now he has Adidas, air quote Adidas. Um, couldn't even do that with a straight face. Adidas, but he has Louisville money and facilities and then the brand name behind it. And still there are issues upon issues upon issues. And now all of a sudden the once happy marriage is over. Yeah, I mean, won nearly 70% of his games at Xavier. Seven out of eight years made the tournaments. Four years made the Sweet 16 or further. Like, mm-hmm. there was no way this could go wrong. Um, but it did. As always, coaching hires, we know nothing until it actually plays out. Um, yep. But the time might have come to, it'll never happen, but it should, bring Rick Pitino home because, <laughs> like, no one actually cares. Bruce Pearl coaches the number one team in America. Yeah. Um, so, like... Kelvin Sampson coaches the seventh best team in America. Yeah. Well, I mean, what Kelvin Sampson did... That was, was a just, joke. Was just I didn't know. Nothing as well. <laughs> um, no, I'm not I'm not taking personal offense, but, like, that's... Uh, but, like, Will Wade's still there and fine. Um, yeah. Bill Self is, is got Kansas humming along. Yeah. Um, I mean, Sean Miller just eventually sucked at his job and got canned. But if he was still winning games, he would certainly still be at Arizona. Like, yeah, exactly. For all the uh, for all the buzz and hullabaloo from the FBI stuff, like nothing ultimately really came from it. Um, which, again, is the lesson: just never cooperate, never do anything. Um, but yeah, bring Rick home. I don't. Uh, although there is reported interest. Um, already that that Bruce Pearl would potentially go to Louisville um, if offered, but that's a whole nother can of worms. And why not? Know, the ACC historically has been a, a stronger basketball conference. Certainly is not now. So yeah. I don't know. It'll be, it'll be very, very interesting to, to keep tabs on this one. Uh, Louisville and Maryland parting with their coaches mid season. Um, mm-hmm. Big basketball brands, um, the lots riding on whoever they decide to hire next. Yeah, it's uh, there's a lot, a lot happening. I'm glad you have joined the Legion that any head coaching position that is opened, and this is obviously a joke, but every head coaching position that opens, you tie Rick Patino to it right away. Well, um, this, this one, there's a little bit uh, yes. more there. <laughs> Totally agree. It's like uh, St. John's fans calling for Mike Anderson to get fired and they want Rick Pitino. Like, okay, sure. I mean, yeah, if he's, if he's going to be in New York, he's, he's chilling in Iona. Yeah. That's uh, it's fine. I have, have heard Kevin Willard's name thrown out a couple of times. I've heard Um, it with Maryland. I've heard it with Louisville. I've heard it with Pitt, which isn't even open yet. So yeah, just a lot of fun times right now. Well, classic January swoon. Willard does it so that he can keep his job at Seton Hall and not have to worry about anything. There you go. Get people off his back. Yeah. I like that. Um, I I still have Duke on there. Um, like, I know Florida State now is, is high up in the ACC standings, but just, again, the ACC is horrendous. For Duke, in all its glory, with all its talent, to not be in first place is – it's ridiculous. And like, not, not even making this a bit about coach K, but like, I, I really, I really just don't understand it. Um, like it's they, like manufactured adversity. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, a Tom is a specialty. If ever yeah. there was one, um, you know, your team is too good. There, there is nothing you can say that they will believe you that 
you know, we're beatable. We have to, you know, do X, Y, and Z to make sure teams don't knock us off. If you're taking that angle, sure. I'll call you coach K full of shit, but sure. You can, you can do that if you want. Um, but if, if Duke does not win the conference this year, it's, it's nothing short of a failure. Um, yeah. like, was very high on Notre Dame, thought they were a sleeper. You should not be hanging around them in the conference standings. Yeah, and now they are tied at home to Clemson, who is an average at best team at the half right now. Yeah. Brad Burnell is just going to be there forever. Like <laughs> he He's got just when you give him like his very very last chance, he'll go to the Sweet 16 um, and just buy himself like five more years, but he will pick yeah. up one to three key wins every season that make you think like, all right, he's going to turn it around. Like next year, he's getting over the hump, and that'll be when we really take off. It's not. He snapped the losing streak at uh, North Carolina, so that's yeah. Y- you can't have a bigger accomplishment at Clemson no. basketball. You really can't. It is um, but true. That, that's one. That's a score we'll be monitoring this evening for sure. Who else do you have for me? I have got Rutger. Love to throw them under the <laughs> bus. Right when it looked like they were turning it around and getting their season back on track, the old their old nemesis reared its ugly head, a road conference game. And this time, <clears throat> it wasn't just any game. It was against a seven-man Minnesota game without three of their best players, and they go on and lose by three. It is inexcusable unbelievable and yet simply so Rutger basketball that I love it. Yeah. Uh, hammered Minnesota in that game because there was no reason to, but yeah, Minnesota has been scrappy all year um, playing much better yep. than anyone anticipated. And you could really say the same of Rutger um, so far in conference play. They are the only team really in the top half uh, of the big 10 standings who does not have legitimate aspirations to play in the NCAA tournaments really should have been swept last week. One of the worst Falcos you'll ever see. Um, I didn't watch it live, but you texted me a couple other people did um, just like the worst Falco I've ever seen. I, I was assuming like, you know, Somebody was driving to the basket. There's a phantom call. No, just out on the perimeter, nowhere near the basket. I don't even know if you could really argue there was contact. But Minimal at with, best. Uh, like with only a few seconds to go in no situation have I ever seen a, an official call a foul there. There wasn't one anyway, but um, gifting the game to Rutger against Iowa there was uh, was crazy. So it was karmic in a way for Rutger to follow that up by by losing to a, an undermanned Minnesota team. Um, so it gives you hope that there is justice in the world. It does. It does. They came back and beat Maryland in a game that they definitely shouldn't have won. Um, and now they get Maryland again this week. Really, they have to do damage against teams at home. And they've got so many opportunities, Michigan State, Ohio State, Illinois, and Wisconsin to close the year. But then will come the same story as every year. They need to get wins on the road. And uh, there was the stat floating around that I think I told you. Um, they have, I think, five total road wins in Big Ten play with fans in the stands since joining the conference. It is truly remarkable how bad they are. 
with just road games and road environments. Yeah, Archie found a way to get Rutger their first one ever at Assembly Hall. But just looking at their schedule now, like it could not be more fortuitous uh, in the immediate future. Like Maryland at home, very winnable game. Um, And then two road games. But if you wanted to play two road games, you would pick Nebraska and Northwestern. That's not saying Rutger is going to win, but that is setting up the best possible scenario. Um, Of course, there's going to be a brutal stretch after that when they're going to have five, six out of seven against ranked teams. Um, So probably come falling back to earth a little bit, but there's a real good opportunity that Rutger could be sitting at eight and three in the big 10 very soon, um, which I don't think anyone expected, but Certainly not going It'll to be like if, Nebraska a couple of years ago when they finished yeah. fourth and weren't anywhere near the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Well, I, I think the, the difference certainly is Rutger is going to plummet uh, once they, they start playing right. the, the gauntlet of their schedule. But um, yeah, they, they're taking advantage of the soft part. But if they play on the road like they did against Minnesota, they're going to get swept by Nebraska and Northwestern. We can only hope. I would I would never hope that um, outright. I just like seeing the karma <laughs> after the Iowa game. I mean, them winning helps me, but no, I can't do yeah. it. <laughs> I've got Iowa State on there. Um, you know, just regression to the mean, basically. Uh, they They started off hotter than anyone could have possibly imagined, and now they are getting closer to the team that we might've thought we would see um, in the preseason, like they're, they're tied for last in the big 12, which is, you know, in itself, nothing crazy. Like it's a very good conference. Every team could make uh, the NCAA tournament, but like the offense is just unwatchable for long stretches. Every game, as you said, only 44 points against um, TCU. They're like, Interestingly enough, they're they're full on reverse Iowa. Like, yeah, they, these teams could not be more different, um, which which makes their their game earlier this year all the more interesting. But they're currently one thirty fifth um, offensive efficiency on Ken Palm, sixth defensive efficiency. So they're going to be in every game, um, in potentially doing a lot of heavy lifting because they did lose by fifteen in that game to TCU. But pretty much every game that they lose will be in single digits just because their defense is so good, but you've got to find consistent offense somewhere. Um, I think it would still take a lot for them to miss the NCAA tournaments. Um, Right. But recent trends are not encouraging in that area. Not at all. Not at all. And I mean, some somewhere, you have to get the offense going, uh, whether it's one person or just hit a couple outside shots. Like the, you, you cannot play Virginia basketball, not be Virginia and win. I think that's the easiest way to say it. Like defense is great. It travels. It keeps you in games, but at some point the ball has to go in because offensively they are an eyesore and that is putting it very nicely. Yeah. And I think that's, that's all they deserve is, is a little bit of niceness, but it's yeah. uh, their their last week's Texas just hanging on for dear life inside of uh, the top twenty five. Their most recent win is Texas. Um, yeah, 
you would believe. Um, but yeah, like two and five in the Big 12, tied with Oklahoma and Kansas State, half game behind West Virginia at the bottom. So, you know, no one thought they were going to win the conference championship. That is still not going to happen. Um, but there is every game is an opportunity to improve your resume, improve your stock. Um, they have a they for sure can't lose on Saturday against Missouri. That would really throw everything off the rails um, if they were to drop that in the Big 12 SEC challenge. But yeah, every other game's against a potential NCAA tournament team. You just got to figure out a way to string buckets together with the same amount of ease that they string stops together. Right, right. Just at some point, turn those stops into points. Get out, run in transition, do something. Change it up. Yeah. Uh, so you alluded to earlier, preseason hype following Chris Beard around, still not living up to it. Uh, Texas now mercifully tumbled out of the top 25. They go the final three and a half minutes without scoring, dropping game to Kansas State. Um, I know it's not great because that was a, it's a great non-conference win for Seton Hall, but this Texas team just hasn't looked the part for a while. And, you know, yeah. they, they, they have not gotten the same Marcus Carr at Austin that uh, played in Minneapolis last year. No, they have not. Um, I The good thing or the po- positive thing right now for this Texas team is they are a metric darling. The metrics love them. I think that's going to keep them in a much higher um, seed come NCAA tournament time than they really should be. But they are... They are another team that is not fun to watch offensively when things aren't going well. They've got three guys that average double-figure points. Trey Mitchell has really bottomed out since earlier in this season. Um, Their guard play has not been great. Andrew Jones maybe is their best guard. Marcus Carr certainly has not played that well. Courtney Ramey has struggled. Um, and, And the rotation might even just be too big. Like, I, I don't know what you're getting really from guys like Brock Cunningham and Devin Askew that is reason to play them, you know, 15, 20 minutes a game over giving your other star players like Timmy Allen or Jones more minutes. Yeah, I, I think it was, it was pretty telling in the offseason when every Kentucky fan was kind of happy to see Askew go to, to Austin for better or worse. Uh, but yeah, like... Mm-hmm. There were so many transfers that came into Austin um, in the offseason that you kind of just looked at all of their individual stats. Um, that's a lot of people just added those up without taking much thought to how are we going to split 200 minutes per game up um, yeah. between these guys and you know kind of what the adjustments on those individual numbers will look like. Mm-hmm. Got any other losers for me? I'm going to go with Arizona State. Um, someone, my preseason sleeper pick in the Pac-12, they just don't have it. It's, it's. I don't know that it's time to call the Bobby Hurley experiment failed, but they need a shakeup. They need something new, whether it's just a complete overhaul of the roster or coaching change. It's, it's simply not working. They have one win since... They beat Creighton on December 14th. Granted, there were a lot of postponements in between then. But if you look, they've lost at Cal by 24. Cal is not a very good team. 
Uh, they lost to Colorado by 18 at home. They lost to Stanford by three. They got blown out by USC on Monday. And now they get Arizona on Saturday. And that should be a blowout because they just simply are not good enough to keep up with these teams. He's had two winning seasons in the Pac-12 out of seven. Um, and the Pac-12 hasn't exactly been yeah. world beaters during that time. So, yeah, like... Lost Remy Martin to Kansas, lost Alonzo Verge um, to Nebraska. It was difficult for all of the guards last year to to kind of coexist, so that in itself not necessarily a death knell, but it does seem to be more the same uh, from the disaster that was last year in Tempe. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't know exactly what the answer is, but you would presume that uh, – that Hurley is coaching for his job a little bit here. 100%. And if he's not like, then what are they thinking? I guess is, yeah. is the question. Um, because not that they came in with hype, but they've had hype the last couple of years and really have not lived anywhere or lived up to anywhere near it. Absolutely. Yeah. And like, no, no, they've, uh, you know, 2018, they they were lucky to even get a bid um, into the yeah. tournament and, and lost in the first four. And yeah, I don't know. Uh, Was that St. John's? I think Syracuse. Oh, Syracuse. Maybe. I'm, I'm just guessing because it's. They've been a first four team a couple times, though. I think I think they beat St. John's one year to make okay. the round of 64. Got um, it. Okay. But yeah, I'd like if you want to count that as a tournament win, you are welcome to. If you're a 16 seed, yes. Yeah, I'll yeah that I that I will allow. Um, I guess it counts either way. But um, last team for me, Illinois. Um, you know, yeah, Kofi and uh, concussion protocol. So part of the issue, um, not haven't really been following the score, but I would imagine. They're not doing well. Um, they are up. They're of course, of fucking course. Um, they're up twelve. <laughs> okay, so yeah, so getting Curbelo out of the lineup was the key there then, um, because yeah. So glad I spoke so glowingly about Michigan State. Um, <laughs> There's one team every week that we talk shit about that plays well, and that we talk uh, highly or praise highly, and they play like shit. It's very justified on both ends, but especially yes. Illinois, who you know, no Kofi. But you're playing at Maryland, who has been one of the worst teams in the Big Ten. You get blown out. You get outscored 40-16 to 16 in the paints. Mm-hmm. Um, so at least that kind of dispels some of the notions that um, you know people might have been throwing out there during the Purdue game that maybe Illinois is better uh, with Kofi off the court. I think that only applies when you're going up against a guy like Zach Eady because that was yeah. largely true for Indiana without Trace Jackson Davis against Purdue. Um, but in a normal night, you want to have one of the 10 best players in the country. I don't think that's too crazy of a notion, but um, yeah, like completely run off the court and they have a, a pretty elite perimeter trio. Um, so, you know, two of those guys are still playing tonight. Um, so I guess in some sense, it, it still makes sense that they're doing well. It's like Trent Frazier's got... 10 points in uh, early in the second half to lead the way. But yeah, like if Kofi misses any extended period of time, 
you have to be very worried about this Illinois team, um, but apparently not against Michigan State. Tom Izzo trying to manufacture some adversity right back. <laughs> Only the best can do it like this. Um, Bozeman's Verdonk has been a really nice find, I guess, off their bench. So that's always a positive. But at the end of the day, like this is Illinois should be beating Maryland and beating them handily. This is not a good Maryland team. And uh, even without Coburn, like you have guard play that should be far superior to that of Maryland or most teams in the Big Ten. Here's what I'll say. These two games, you should have gone one and one. So if they hold on Michigan State, it's a wash anyway. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's uh, I mean, if anything, this might even be better because it gets you a quality win. Um, right. So again, chestnut checkers. Yes. All right. That's all I've got. That is it for me as well. All right. Uh, Another wild and crazy week of college basketball is sure to be followed by another. Uh, We will be back with you here next week to break it all down. So we will see you.